morning. It's good to see each and every you, each of you here today. And if you have a bulletin, you'll notice that the scripture there is a little different. Pastor Justin was going to speak this morning. Uh, uh, his his father-in-law passed away this weekend, so he's been with his family. And I told him that I would speak, and I want to let you know that today we'll be back in Ephesians chapter six. So. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Also, I want to mention to you for next week, we've been doing this every other week, we'll be having our uh, membership uh, 101 class next week after church. If you've not been through it, we're requiring that everybody go through it, and I know most of you have. But if you're interested in what we believe, uh, our doctrine, now's the time to go through this. And you don't have to join to go through it, but... I've always said you learn a lot about a church when you're able to ask questions. So now's the time. What do we believe? What do we believe about eternal security? What do we believe about baptism, the Lord's Supper? Well, well, come be a part of the class and we'll tell you. And again, you don't have to join. We don't beg people to join. We want people to bloom where they're planted. What we want to see people is is saved. We want to see people saved. So that's our priority. But if you'd like to be a part of Living Way Community Church and know what we believe, join us next Sunday. We'll begin immediately after service and go through that class. We'll give you a packet, but also uh, be able to have some time of sharing and fellowship and to uh, understand where we're coming from. And I just want to give you that opportunity. But if you, again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll, uh, name, I've named these, this series Dressing for Battle. And I want to give a few moments recap as we go through this, that as Paul is, is, is telling us, therefore, for all the things that Christ has done, that we're to dress ourselves in the full armor of God. And each one of these pieces of armament uh, represents, represents what God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. And if you would, stand with me as we read this, read the Word of God, and go back through it, then I will uh, uh, talk about the verses we're in today. But let us read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil, resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breast, breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith, which, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your blessings and your mercy. And God, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who went to Calvary and paid a debt uh, we, we couldn't pay. And God, I thank you so much for that price on Calvary. And God, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be free from the bondage of sin. For your Bible says that whosoever shall call upon your name shall be saved. And Lord, I thank you for the freedom of the curse of sin. 
And God, because of your son Jesus, not only have we been freed if we are your children, but Lord, you will sustain us in this time. And we give you all the praise and glory for it. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. This morning I will be focusing on verses 14, 15, and some of 16. But I wanted to give you a recap, and I shared this a little bit about our Sunday school class this morning, of something that caught my attention. I won't go into full detail of what I heard. But it caught my attention. See, now I don't know about you. My kids get on to me about this. I love to listen to my radio and scan. Then when I hear something I like, I'll stop it and listen to it, usually halfway through, or even if it's three-quarters through. If there's a song I like, I'll listen to it. But something caught my attention this morning about the status of the church and the status of the church being quiet. Because they said we have uh, we allowed certain things and doctrines to creep into our churches and things that have crept in to this nation and we see the world around us collapsing. And basically what he was saying is because the church has not stood firm but been quiet. We say we believe in certain things, but yet we do not stand firm on the gospel. We say we believe in Christ, we're against abortion, we're against murder, we are for, for, for the well-being of our people, we, we, we are for certain things, but yet we're the silent majority. And we see these things collapsing around us because we remain silent. And, and actually his prayer was that all believers in Jesus Christ should stand up in one voice and say, we won't be moved. And what I am sharing with you this morning is Paul says, because we have Christ, because of all the things that Christ has done, stand firm. Now you'll see in this passage that he'll say this three times. It means in a fixed point, immovable. Hebrews will tell us, hold unswervingly to the faith that you possess. For he that promised is faithful. Plant your feet and get ready for battle. And I've said this many, many times. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you will experience spiritual warfare. Trust me. It is active among us. It is real. But God has prepared for us an armament. And that armament being clothed in Jesus Christ. And each piece of this armament He will give you is a symbol. And it's an illustration of something. And look what he says, and I've already preached on this, but I want to go through this for a few moments. He says, stand firm, there again, uh, do not be movable, having girded your loins with the truth. And I told you that the illustration, you've got to understand that Paul during this time is giving the illustration of the Roman army, where the, 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 the apron, if you will, or the girdle was the innermost part of their outfit, okay? And it protected from mid-thigh up into ribs and the midsection. This was the first piece of clothing that the Romans would attach or anybody prepared to do battle. But it was so important because this piece of armament was the point in which all the others affixed. So you had to have a basis, you had to have a root in which your feet were planted. And he says, having your goings girded with truth. What is the truth? We discussed this. It is the Word of God. Colossians 3.16 Let the words of Christ richly dwell within you. Not only dwell, but take up residence in context. Not only the words of Christ, but the words about Christ. God has given us His Word that is the truth. His Word is the foundation that we have when we go into battle. So it's not by you know, sheer accident that, that Paul says, Make sure... Make sure 
that you are standing on truth, that you've girded yourself. The very first thing that we should do as believers is stand firm because we are girded with truth. It is our foundation. It is our starting point, which is the truth of Christ. Then I begin to get into a little bit about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate. Now, if you've ever seen anyone with armament, it's kind of cool that they would have this piece of armament which would attach to the apron, if you will, or the girdle, that covered the essential organ of the heart and all your internal organs. Because what happens is, this is a vulnerable spot. You know, pretty much, if somebody, and I don't want to use this illustration to be sound silly, but you know, there are certain elements that you can attack in battle, but you can still be operable. They may can stab your foot or your hand, and you may be hurting, but you still have the ability to fight. But when you gut somebody or pierce somebody through the heart, that is taking you out of the ball game. And that is why it's so important that we must protect this part, the breastplate, which is our internal organs, if you will, and the illustration that he uses is righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. So, so what does this mean? You know, you don't have to turn there with me, but Isaiah will say in, in, in Isaiah chapter 59 that when Christ comes back, he will be clothed in the breastplate of righteousness. We are not righteous because of our self-righteousness, but we are made righteous because of Christ. You see what I'm saying? Christ, we are unworthy. But yet Christ, in his mercy, he surrendered himself upon the cross to die. And he was holy, unblemished, blameless. And yet he took the wrath of God for us. He was totally righteous. So we're to clothe ourselves, not in our righteousness, but whose? His. Be an imitator of Christ. That you are clothed in His righteousness. What does that mean? Obey Christ's words. You see, if we have the truth, which is the written and spoken Word of God, we not only need to be hearers of the Word, but what? Doers. So you must clothe yourself with that breastplate, which is the next piece of armament, that not only do you have Scripture... And the words of Christ is your foundation. You have obeyed that scripture and obeyed that foundation that you have clothed yourself with righteousness. Not anything that you can do. The Bible tells us very clearly that our righteousness is but filthy rags. But through Christ, we have been saved and made righteous by his blood on the cross. But it is a continuing conforming to his image. And we are righteous because of his righteousness. We will desire righteousness. We will desire to obey Him if we're Christ. Amen? Because we will want to conform to His image. And He says, having uh, the breastplate of righteousness, that we have put on this breastplate to know that everything within us has the desire and capability to serve Christ. Do you have that today? Is your foundation on the Word of God? Is your righteousness in Christ alone? Do you seek to serve and obey Him? Let me tell you something. This is the other thing the man said on the radio. And, and, it, and it got me. He said, because we have taken this health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that's being preached, 
and poisoned our ears with a God that has been created in our own image. Because the church has turned to listen to things that will tickle their ears. And if you're not getting your ears tickled somewhere, you'll go somewhere else and hear it so you can be. Because we will not be a people, if you will, that want to hear things that bother us. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to be corrected and, and have reproof among us. We want to do our own thing. That's the natural self that lives within us. That is the sinful self that lives within each person. That you desire to do those things that are contrary to the will of the holiness of God. But in Christ, you have been changed. Because I know me. My dad used to tell me I had a head like concrete. I'm hard-headed. And my heart was the same way until Christ broke it. And that righteousness which I have is not by my own efforts, but by Christ on the cross. And through Him, I have been made righteous, and I desire, listen, I desire, listen, I desire to conform to His image. I've got to have that righteousness on my chest. Think about this. One of the words that baffles me and gives me the most grief is the word carnal Christian. That is a word that is used so much throughout the world that we're just a carnal Christian. I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. That mentality that says, yes, I'll praise Jesus in the morning, but when I go to that restaurant, I'm going to treat that waitress like garbage. Somebody's going to cut out in front of me, and I'm going to give them the great one-finger salute. I'm going to get mad at the grocery store, and people will see my testimony. And let me tell you something. Listen to me. I say this many times, but being clothed in God's righteousness, I'm not saying that none of us are not going to fail. Listen to me. We are human. We will fail. But our failures will never be an excuse to continue failing. Amen? It can't be that way because we seek Christ's righteousness. And I'm not hating or, or throwing shame at anybody because like I've often said as a pastor, the 20 years I've been in ministry, when I point one finger out, I've got a sack full coming back at me. Any of us are capable of doing anything clothed in our own righteousness. You hear me? I have heard so many people say, I wouldn't do that. Don't you ever say that. Because left alone in your own self-righteousness, you can do anything. Because that's the pride of a human being. But to clothe ourselves in God's righteousness and to get up every day saying, God, I need that breastplate of armor that I may obey and serve you no matter the cost. Because I can't do it on my own. There's not a person here that can walk through this evil world on your own. You can't even walk out that door. You need Christ at all times. And I'm getting so tired of going and hearing people that claim to be believers that have taken the gospel in God's righteousness and turned God into something that will give me whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And then we get mad at him when he doesn't. And you'll hear me continue to say this. God never promised any of you to be rich. He never promised any of you would be healthy. He did not promise this. But I can tell you what he promised. That he would walk with you regardless of whatever situation it may be in. And it's not when James says, consider the joy when we're going through trials. 
Consider the joy when we're going through trials. How can you have joy? See, joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is a temporary state of emotional being. Joy is something that comes down from the root of one's heart. And when he says, consider the joy when you go through trials, he's saying, I got cancer, let's cut cartwheels. But what he is saying is, even though, God, you may leave me here, or though you may slay me, I will trust in you, because you alone are enough. That's resting on the hand of God. And understanding that that righteousness, in my self-righteousness, I will complain. You know, it's funny. Let me tell you, for a few moments. There was once this guy who considered, he, he, he consented to be a monk. And he went to the monastery, and, if you will, and he only, they, they, they took a vow of silence, and he was only able to speak one sentence every ten years. So the first time he went in there and the head monk said, you know, you got anything to say? Yeah, he said, my foot hurts. And he walked out. Ten years later, he was asked to come back and say something. He went back in there and he said, yeah, my bed's too hard. Head monk looked at him, okay, and he, he walked out. Finally, the last, after 30 years, he went in there and he says, do you have anything to say? He says, yeah, I quit. The head monk says, I'm not surprised. You had not done nothing but complain since you've been here. See, a lot of times we sulk in our own self-righteousness. And when God does not give us what we think we deserve, we get upset about it. But our lives should be focused on His righteousness. And His righteousness manifested in us through His Spirit that we seek and serve Him who has not only saved us, but will sustain us through the various trials and tribulations that we face. Clothe yourself in the breastplate of righteousness. But I want you to also look at what, what Romans chapter 6 says. And again, you don't have to turn here, but listen to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, I'm going to read 12 through 14. Listen to what he says. Therefore, 12, 12 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its lust. Okay? And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under God's grace. You see, he's saying that this breastplate is an instrument. And you should use it as an instrument of righteousness and not use yourself as an instrument of unrighteousness. Because God transformed and changed you. And that righteousness that has now been imputed, if you will, upon you is because of Jesus Christ. Rest in Him. But look what he also says. He says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shod your feet. I don't know about many of you, but when I was a kid, I run around barefoot. Until I stepped on those rocks and it hurt bad. As Charles Spurgeon once said, there's nothing that caused such a great pain in the sandals but one pebble. He says, have your feet shod with the, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now this is a very interesting illustration. 
because what Romans and Greeks would do would they would bind themselves with sandals, if you will, but the ankles were protected with a strap of leather. Not only did they do that, but they nailed spikes through the soles. Their feet weren't made for running. They were made for standing and fighting. They were made to plant their feet and be ready for battle. Not only were they prepared to stand firm, but they were also protected by an instrument that went from the bottom of the ankle up to the knee called a greave. Now this greave was to protect the calf. Now I don't know about you, but when somebody hits you in the calf, it hurts. Your feet hurt. Now again, I use this illustration kind of loosely to make a point. Even though you get hit in your feet, you're still dangerous. But boy, it will hurt in a big way. I never will forget. Tiffany would tell you that one day we were at Lowe's and I was looking at plumbing supplies. And there's a man with his uh, a little a man with his little child over there. Child was probably three or four. And I'm picking up stuff and I'm looking at it. And the little boy just walks up to me and looks. I said, hey, buddy. And he hauled off and he kicked me right in the knee. He dropped me. Now, that would be another pra uh, prayerful sermon another day on walking away when you're angry. But my very point was it hurt and it hurt bad. And I'm sitting there, I said, what was that all about? You know, and, I'm, and we just Timmy's laughing. I wasn't laughing. But what it did was take my mind off what was going on for a brief moment while I got kicked in the shin and knee area. And his daddy called him back over there. And again, the thoughts went through my mind, but that's beside the point another day. But my point is, is that part needs protecting in battle too. And he says, have your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, right here in context, he is not only talking about the gospel that you present, in other words, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, but also the gospel that saved you. Because Christ brings peace. I want you to think about this for a few moments. How many times... Well, I'm just going to be brutally honest. And, and I've shared this many times. If you have been saved, you have a story to tell. You say, Chad, I'm not a preacher and I'm not a teacher. No, but if Christ has saved your heart, you have a story. And that story should be less about you and more about Christ about what he's done in your life. And not only is that story encouraging to others, but it's personal to you because it's the gospel that saved you. It's the gospel that didn't necessarily bring peace in the battle, but it has brought peace in the war because that, that I was an enemy to God and at war with him because of the gospel, I have at peace with Christ. Are you at peace with him? Look what he says. The gospel is the firm foundation and footing of understanding that it's not just for those that are saved. It's not for just those that are saved, but also for those that need to hear the good news. The gospel of peace. I have said in this church, and I'll continue to say in any church that I ever pastor, and this will stand, I'll stand firm on this. If we claim to be leading in teaching, and we don't know the gospel and how to articulate it, then we need to cease from doing so. Lives are in danger. And everybody that talks about Christ should be able to share the gospel if you're saved. 
And you say, well, Chad, I'm not a speaker. You don't understand. Listen to me. You see, my foot is planted because of what Christ done in me. Because, as I often say, if you'll read the book of Acts chapter 26, Paul makes this very clear. And I'm not going to read it to you. I ask you to read that for yourself. But in the book of Acts, Paul has this opportunity to stand before King Agrippa. And he gets to defend himself, and he gets to stand firm on the gospel. His feet are planted. Why? Because Paul was a Roman citizen. So he got the opportunity to speak to the high court, if you will. And Paul puts it to us this way. This is what I was. I was persecuting those who called themselves Christians. I even held the coats of those who tried to kill them. I did these things. This is what I was. Not only did I hate Christ, in other words, but I sought those who loved him. But then one day, I get knocked on my kin, and God says, get up and follow me. Quit kicking against the pricks, and let's go. I was changed. This is what I was. This is what Christ done. And now I'm here, Agrippa, for my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. Every one of us have a story. I often told you that when I was in a mission field in Pennsylvania, people would often ask me, Chad, where are you from and why are you here? Because I talk different than most people up there. They came, well, my home family says I seem to have a strong southern accent. I don't think so, but maybe I do. But maybe it's funny because when I'd come home, i go, do I talk like that? But I guess I do. Anyway, it don't matter. But people, most people would ask me, where are you from and why are you here? And I would say, I'm from Greer, South Carolina, but I am here because one day Jesus Christ made a difference in my life. And he can make one in yours. You see, we must have a story. 25 or 30 years ago, I'd never thought I'd be standing in front of you people, but I'd still be turning wrenches at Mitsubishi Polyester Film. But God had different plans. And I'm not going to say it's easy, but the gospel that brought me peace, the gospel that saved my soul, now I stand firm and stand on that gospel that you may know it too. And I want to encourage each and every one of you, if you have been saved by the blood of Jesus, you've got a story to tell. And it's not about whether I was an axe murderer. It's not about whether I was an arsonist, arsonist whether I was this, whether I was that, cussed or didn't cuss, whether I, I, I took drugs, whether I didn't, whether I did this or that. It does not matter. You see, every single human being is on the same playing field. Our righteousness is yet but filthy rags. It's not what you do that makes you what you are. It's what you are that makes you do what you do. Those things are symptoms of a fallen heart. But let me tell you something. The same person, that's the same person of Christ that saved me will save you. The Bible says, Who shall ever call upon my name shall be saved. And let me tell you something. I've never been the same. And i got a story to tell. 
and you do too. That gospel of peace is your firm foundation and fitting that says, you know what? God, you have saved me and you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. Now, I'm going to not only stand on that gospel of peace as I do battle, but I'm going to grip in and press forward and still keep sharing it. There's nothing that brings peace greater than the peace of Jesus Christ. There's no words I will ever share that will ever give you the comfort and peace that Christ can. Christ still is able to save and he still changes lives. The gospel of peace. You see, one of the greatest or illustrations of peace that I could give to you was found by a man of Jim Walton who was trying to minister to some tribes in Colombia. And the Colombian chief of this one tribe was named Fernando. And as Jim was sitting there trying to figure out the word for peace in their own language, he, could, he, was, he was stumped. He was trying to translate the Bible in their language. He, get, he couldn't figure it out. And the Indian chief was supposed to go, or this tribal chief was supposed to fly into a town which was, uh, if a day's walking journey, was about three days away. But the plane hadn't got there yet. And they had promised to get him on it. So he begins to walk. So as he begins to walk, the plane finally shows up and they sent a runner after the chief who had began his journey, two to three day journey, to this town. And when the runner finally caught up with him, he took Fernando back home. But when he and Fernando got back home, the plane had done left again. So Fernando gets mad. And he kept yelling out, I am not of one heart. I am not of one heart. I am not of one heart. And it was clear to Jim Walton, that's what lack of peace is. Not of one heart. For peace is of one heart. That peace can only be shared of one heart between you and Christ. That's peace. Knowing that Christ has saved me, I have that heart. Not of my own doing, but of Christ's work and person of work, the person of and work of Christ on the cross that has given me peace, let me tell you, can give you peace as well. That is the foundation that we have built on the girdle, that the belt or the breastplate of righteousness, and we've planted our feet on the foundation of the gospel. And then the Bible says, in addition taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows. The shield of play, faith. What is the shield of faith? What is that shield of faith? That shield of faith, as Hebrews says, faith is for the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. It's not only believing in the person and the work of Christ, but obeying the person and the work of Christ. And holding firm to the peace that is found in that. Because I'm going to tell you something. Has any of you ever been depressed? You don't have to raise your hand. You've been depressed? Have you been lonely? Has somebody hurt you? Do you understand that these are tactics of Satan? Those are the flaming arrows he's talking about. In Paul's illustration, a flaming arrow was this. The Greeks and the Romans would take their arrows and dip them in pitch and then set them on fire. 
And when they would be shot at something and they would hit it, it would ignite a bigger fire. Do you realize when those flaming arrows are shot at you and you don't have the shield of your belief in front of you, they will consume all aspect of your being. How many of you have been crippled by worry? And I think about things like this. Every one of us are going to face trials. That's why it makes me so sick. And that's why you hear me get so upset when people say, it's going to all be okay if you pray harder. It's going to be okay if you give more. God's just trying to get you to give your mortgage payment to me. You're not being obedient. You're going through that trial because you don't believe enough. Let me tell you something. Us that are in Christ do not look to Him for some monetary gain. We look to Him to be the Lord of our lives. That's the difference. Because He never promised these things. Because when you don't get these things, what do you do? You begin to collapse. How many times have you been so on fire to do something, if you're a believer in Christ, and one little flaming arrow pierces a little bit of that armor and it destroys your whole week? You know what I'm talking about. That's all Satan wants to do is get the fight out of you. And we don't listen. He wants you to give up. Why does he want you to give up? No, not only does it do damage to you, it does damages to others. Because if he can prevent you from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, he has a temporary victory, people. You see that? We need that faith. Not only that shield that will protect us, but that shield that we will obey and keep pressing forward no matter what the circumstances. You know, it's easy, very easy to give up. We have this, per well, I better not do that. It's a good, bad illustration, plus it goes over there. I'll get in trouble. But anyway, have you ever met those people that tap out so quick? They tap out, they so easily to give up. Let me give you an example. Now, I'm an industrial electrician technician by, by trade, so I see a lot of things that I don't like. I see a lot of dangerous things. And I've seen people work on things, and very quickly, instead of them working on it, they'll pass it off to me. And then I go up there and get frustrated because i got to go behind them. We've all been there. don't have to be necessarily in the electrical mechanical field, but you see my point, that people will give up so easy we are not as born-again believers in Jesus Christ to be those that tap out so quick. And let me explain to you why. What if the man that was sharing the gospel to me tapped out the first time I told him I didn't want to hear anything he said? You hear me? Let's take it a little further. How many of you have done an in-depth study of the man called Jeremiah who wrote the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations, the cry over Israel? For 40 years, he was ridiculed, made fun of, tortured for Christ. And at one time outside the gates, he gave up. He's given up and said, God, I've had enough. But then he says, but when I remember the fire that's been placed down in my bones... You see, the very thing that he was, Satan attacked. 
Satan caught him unawares, if you will. And he began to thrust every arrow at him. him. But Jeremiah cried out in a loud voice that those fires that were started inside his bones have a rebirth. And he came alive and he kept pressing on. Our success is not based on numbers. Our success is not based on how many people like us. Our success is not based on how many things we do for people. Our success is based on how much we love Christ and are willing to share Him with others. And it's not about a personal gain. Listen to me, I won't distinguish it. I have never saved a soul. I do not have a notch on my office door, wherever pastor I'm pastored. I saved this man and saved this man, hallelujah. Look, I didn't save a soul. And any pastor that says they've saved souls, you better flee. Because there's only one Savior and His name's Jesus Christ. The only thing I've ever been able to do is share the gospel. He takes care of the results. I don't save anybody. But I know that in my self-effort, I'm capable of doing anything. And when I see that He says, take up the shield, that these arrows will be extinguished, which means this, that Satan will get a hold of us every now and then. But we remember the fire that was planted down deep in our bones and we stand firm with what Christ has done in our lives. I am here to tell you today that every one of you who are a believer in Jesus Christ will have opposition. And you should be having it now. We ain't seen nothing yet. People say, well, I don't listen to the news for it's depressing. Well, you can take it one of two ways. A, you can prepare yourself, or B, just be surprised when it comes. But I can assure you, trials are coming, unlike any we've ever seen. And we all have a choice to make. We can don ourselves in the armor of God and stand firm on His words and His work, or we can be run over. I want to encourage you, you don't have to be a theologian and go to seminary to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be the smartest individual. You don't have to have 17 degrees. You don't have to have work experience of over 75 years. All you have to do is depend on the person and work of Jesus Christ and share His truth. That's what you need. And every one of you can do it. Do you really believe what you believe? And I want to encourage you this morning to listen. Yes, the world's rough. And there's some things going around that's horrible. But you attach... People say, it's funny. I've got to share this with you. I look at it in this perspective. I don't believe there's no task too big for God. That God can do whatever He wants to do and He'll use us for His glory. But sometimes we look at things that's so overwhelming we shy from them. And we say, we don't want to do these things. It's too big, God. I love you, but it's too big. Remember what I said to you earlier? That in, when we begin to study this lesson, that God will do the battle for you, but you've got to be participant in the battle. You've got to be there like David was in the battle. David was in the battle, but God fought it. You have to be a willing participant in the battle, but let God fight it. But understand, when you look at things from a hole, you see a big obstacle. And I had a man tell me one time, Chad, how are you going to get that done? I said, well, brother, it's just like eating an elephant, one bite at a time. It's not about what I can do and the amount of time I can do it. It's about whether I'm faithful in what I do. 
I can't save the world, and you can't either. But if you can share the gospel with one person, you never know who this side of heaven may be saved. Please, take an urgency. Not only that you armor yourself against the fiery effects of Satan, but you share the good news of Jesus Christ and teach them how to put their armor on too. Amen? The gospel of peace. I won't get into the rest of the verses till next week, but I want to tell you this. What is holding you back from serving Christ at your fullest potential? What holds you back? Is it fear? I'm not saying that we're all not always going to be afraid. But it's not something we can continually take root and dwell in because that's not the spirit that God gave us. He didn't give us the spirit of fear. What other fear or whatever thing holds you back? Materialism? Chad, I, I, if, if I get on fire and, 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 and st- standing firm for the Lord, man, I can lose my job. I can lose my things. Please listen to me if you never hear another word I said. Your job and your 401k is not your provider of life. It's not. Christ is. Christ is your provider. You don't understand, I have to have this to live. You have to have Christ to live in peace. Because no matter what you have, you'll never find satisfaction in it. So please don't ever let materialism slow you down. You know, I want to give this example. I don't think I've ever given this before. But years ago, I wanted a boat. I wanted a boat so bad. So I saved for it. And I bought this 14-foot flat-bottom boat that had a five-horsepower Tuhatsu on it. And it traveled about the speed of smell. But I was happy with it. Because I could get on the lakes here and bass. There I'd go. You put one of my boys on with me and they'll tell you, we really, trolling motor would outrun us. But I loved that boat. But it was just like anything else I've ever had. It got old. Now listen to me. So I wanted something better, but I couldn't quite afford it. Man, I sure would like a Ranger boat. There's a difference between an $800 boat and a $25,000 boat, or $50,000 boat. Never quite got to that point, but I promise I'm making a point with you. But I loved that boat. But the more that I desired something else, the more that I was not content in what I had. You hear me? The more that I wanted something else, I was not content in what I had. So I said, you know what? I'll sell that boat and one day maybe get a different one. So I sold that boat, the one that I loved so much, and the person that bought it for me two days later sank it. That's a true story. Here's the moral of the story. Okay? That which we have, somebody else will have one day. Whether we sell it to it, whether we give it to them, whether they inherit it, they'll have it. And it don't mean they're going to do the same thing that we did with ours. 
And what's old to us is new to somebody else. But look at the cycle just like with me. If I continue to desire things, I will never be satisfied. Because the house that I have will never be enough. The car I have will never be enough. The money I have will never be enough. That's why, listen, that he that provides for you is enough. Because things will never give you satisfaction. If you do not believe me, you read the book of Ecclesiastes. For the eye is never satisfied with seeing, nor the ear hearing. But satisfaction and peace alone is found in Christ. And He is always enough. So whether I have a boat, whether I have a car, whether I have a bicycle, or somebody has to pull me into town on a skateboard like Napoleon Napoleon Dynamite, I want to understand that it's God that provides all things for me. That's why He tells us, give us this day our daily bread, not our daily cake. If we rest in Him for all that He is, He is always enough. And when the devil comes at you, not only with trials, but with temptations. You ever thought about that? Oh, you don't have to do that. You can do this. And you can stand firm and say, look, there's nothing that's going to bring me satisfaction except the gospel of peace. For Jesus Christ who saved me, I can promise you, will sustain me. And he will sustain you too. Every Every eye closed, every head bowed. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this uh, morning just thanking you so much for the armor that you've given us. God, I've done research and watched shows on armor and swords and battlement. And Lord, there's always a kink in somebody's armor. There's always something not made strong enough. There's always something that has a glitch in it. But God, every piece of armament that you have described in your word is enough for all situations. Because why? You're the provider of it. And this symbolic armor the armor that we've been given is based not only on your words and word, but of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it's enough. God, I pray today, if somebody is here that's discouraged, that, Lord, they're going through trials and tribulations, that, Lord, may they learn and grow in you through them and know that you're enough. You never promised to remove us from these things. You never promised to remove temptation. You never promised us to remove things happening. You never promised us wealth. You never promised us health. But what you did promise us is your Spirit, the Comforter, who lives in us. And He is greater than the things of the world. Lord, just like with temptation, what you have promised us is we can walk away. But Lord, only the strength in you will give us the ability to do that. Lord, you have promised you'd never leave us or forsake us. And we were studying this morning in Sunday school about the the character of God. We have learned this, that you do not exist in our own space and time. You are not someone who is hindered by our own thoughts and our own being. But you are greater than us all, for you created all. And you are not dependent on anyone Because you are the creator and sustainer of the world. God, we rest in that. And Lord, I want to encourage anybody that's here today that's struggling in any aspect of their life to know that they reach out to you. And Lord, you may not deliver them from the immediate situation, but I rest assured in my faith in you that you will walk with them in any situation. 
as I've said in the past few days, in the past few weeks, you either headed toward a furnace in a furnace or coming out of one. That's just the facts of life. But God, just like you'll walk with us toward the furnace, you'll be like the fourth man in the fire and you'll show up when we're in the furnace. And God, do we have a testimony when we come out of it. God, you are greater than all things. And I pray today that every person that is sitting here at the sound of my voice or whether it's on the air, rest in you. The Lord, they gird themselves with your word and your truth. They put on that breastplate of righteousness that they seek you first. Then, Lord, you would clothe them and the example would be beset before them. Lord, that they would have that shield of faith that not only does faith is what our foundation of our belief is, but, Lord, faith is an obeying faith. We're to be hearers and doers of the word. And, God, that our feet would have the spikes that stand firm on the same gospel that saved us will sustain us. God, you are worthy of all things and you are worthy of praise. God, I pray today that most of all, that if there's one here that does not have a relationship with you, that, Lord, you would convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. God, we do not know when we're going to leave this world, but we can know how we leave it. And, God, I pray that you convict hearts, draw them unto you. Because no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, you will give freedom. And God, I celebrate your name. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. And all God's people said, stand and sing with us.